this started when she was 14, right? So after that, everything in her brain was wired different. Her perception of this man, the control, the power, her vulnerability, the mixed up senses of safety and all of that, right? Like all that's in play. Like, and that started at 14. Hello, you are listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs can share their story. I am your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for not parent expected or non-paternal event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where NPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. Welcome to episode 71. Today, I am speaking with Laura. Hi, Laura. Hi. I'm going to say thank you very much for speaking with me tonight. Um, I know that what you're about to talk to me about is something you are pretty nervous about. Um, I'm going to just give a warning at the beginning of this episode. People I find do appreciate it that you might talk about um, some more, some sad stuff, possibly um, child sexual abuse rape. If that is not something you want to listen to, this might not be the episode for you. I got your email and I had to speak with you because I haven't spoken with any NPE that ha- that quite has your um, story. Tell me who is in your original family and what childhood was like for you. Okay. Um, my original family, myself, and then I have a brother who is two and a half, three years younger than me. Um, we've always been really close. Um, our relationship has always been really um, strong. It's had lots of pain, but it's always been a very strong relationship. And we um, we have a ton of love for each other, which I guess is I don't know why I'm highlighting that, but maybe as I explain the rest of my family, that will make sense. Um, So I was born to my mom and my birth certificate father. My mom was 16. um, So she was a sophomore in high school when she became pregnant with me. And then um, a junior in high school when I was born. Um, My birth certificate father, um, he was the same age as my mom up here. They were dating at the time. Um, and yeah, so they got married shortly after high school. Um, and there was a lot of, I think, complexities in that situation. Obviously, um, my mom was not the first, um, teen mom in her family. Um, but my mom also grew up in a small town um, where my grandparents were fairly, it's a small town and my grandparents were well-known. My grandfather's a doctor. Um, they were business owners. 
Yeah. So there was, and they're Catholic. My family is incredibly Catholic. I should say like, I have my own work to do in the spiritual world, but like, I, I don't know. They, I don't know if this is right, but like, right. They weren't good Catholic in my mind. Right. It was like this, like everything was like shame and guilt and like just these like heavy things all the time, which was hard. And so obviously my mom has not been able to share a ton with me, but some in that space around what it was like. And my dad, my birth certificate, dad's family did not live in that town. His dad did. And he had just recently come to live with his dad. Only his dad lived there. Yeah. So I think, I don't know. My dad had, my birth certificate dad had like a reputation. I think at least it was always my interpretation of kind of like a bad boy kind of reputation. Um, he was an athlete. I don't know. That was that. And my mom was like, I don't, I don't know that they were ever like envisioned together was like the thing, but anyways, nonetheless, they got married after high school. We lived on my grandparents' farm. Um, and then my brother was born. Yeah. My parents, worked really, really hard and seemingly like did the best they could for teenage parents. And now knowing what I know now, like a lot of more things make sense, but they did the best I believe. And what I know now, what I understand about childhood development and the brain and all those things, like, and I think I always had an understanding that they did the best they could. And I always like felt different having, you know, kids for parents. Um, (laughs) Basically, I always had that sense of like, this isn't the same as my friends or I don't know. So my growing up with those parents, my dad, um, my earliest memories with my dad, um, he loved me. I know he loved me the best he could, but he really struggled with anger. He was violent with my mom and um, he had substance use issues specifically with alcohol and that, um, looked not pretty or safe at times. And there was a strong sense of, I didn't know it then, but now that I have words for it, like this sense of unsafety and not being safe and protected, um, was something that was pretty prevalent in my childhood. Yeah. And my mom, I adored my mom. Like I thought she was the strongest, most amazing woman ever. And I now, and then there was a time where that wasn't true. So now that I know this part of her story, I don't know, I wasn't wrong then. Um, And there was a period of time where I think I like thought I had that wrong. Like she wasn't as strong as I thought, but she really is. Um, So she worked really hard. Um, She didn't go to college, uh, but she worked really hard and ended up in like a sales job where she made a for a while, like a lot of money and was successful. And I was like, you know, like, I don't really understand. I can remember in middle school being like, I don't really understand why you guys are still together. Like you don't really need him kind of makes us all miserable. Like so much fighting and like alcoholism is just like rampant. And like, as 13 year old me, I definitely use that word, um, <laughs> which looking back now is like, funny. Um, so anyways, when I started high school, my parents did decide to um, separate and get a divorce. And that came with its own. Um, my, my dad was violent with my mom, definitely. And there, I was not, I was, there was a lot of neglect and abuse in my childhood and not in like the way that like 
we think of or like the dramatized way, but like just like constantly exposed to domestic violence and mm. substance use and just that chaos. Um, yeah. yeah. And then just like completely inappropriate discipline that was just like, you know, not safe and harmful and left marks and was just, you know, really hurtful. Um, anyways, so there's that piece. And then, so I'm in high school and, um, my mom is out of town one night for work and I came home. I had been like at a boyfriend's house or I was doing something on like a Friday night and I came home and my dad was on the garage of our house. And, um, that is when he was there, like, it was like, that's where he went to like, drink a good amount. And so I was like, Ugh. I remember being like, okay. And I came in and he was like really upset and emotional. And I was like, what, what is going on? Like, and he informed me that, um, you know, my mom had called him from out of town. This is, I guess the best she could do and said like, she wanted a divorce and you know, he was heartbroken. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, I'm like 14 or 15. So I'm like, oh. great. This is good. Like, you know, Sorry, I don't remember what our conversation was. I just remember him being emotional and me being like, okay, well, I'm going to go to bed. And I went to bed and um, I remember like, I woke up, I was woke up to my mom, like calling me repeatedly, repeatedly. And I answered and she was like, hey, you know, I need you to go downstairs and check on your dad. And I was like, what are you talking about? She was like, you know, he said he was going to hurt himself. And like, I, he called me, he said, I need you to go check on him. And so, I was like disoriented and asleep and like didn't have my contacts in or my glasses on. Like I, so I couldn't see and I go downstairs and I go into the garage and I find him and he has um, attempted suicide. Um, He had cut, cut his wrists like significantly. And was just like, it was just a mess. There's just blood everywhere. And I um, remember thinking and being like, I was super worried because he had a temper. Right. And I was like, Oh man, like I found him in a space. You didn't want me to find him in. So like now this is going to be bad. And so I just remember like, I just ran upstairs and I called 911 and the police came and I was so worried about my brother. So he was asleep and I didn't want him to wake up and like all these things. I didn't want him to see this. And I just remember feeling like, again, that just like sense of like unsafe, like this is not okay. Like things are not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, right. Like, like anyone was confused by that as I was telling the story, but as a kid, like I find, um, I'm a therapist and I work with kids. Right. So when I can look back and identify those times of like, that was an unsafe, that is how I interpreted it. And like just that experience. Um, yeah, so that was, it must've been traumatizing. You were just a kid. Yes. Yeah. It was, um, yeah, it was awful. And it's something that I, I mean, I've like processed and worked through it, but it is still like really significant. And I feel, I don't know. It was, yeah, I don't, I did not intend on including that in the story. Actually, I don't know where it was, but, um, it feels relevant now. I don't know. Maybe, it's maybe we'll edit it your, out if you think it needs to. No, no, it's part of your childhood. It's part of your experience. Yes. Yes. And it was significant. And so, and it was always a thing that I looked back on, um, because so the police came and they just basically were like, Oh, you're going to go to your neighbors. Okay, great. And so we did. And that was that. And like, no one ever checked on this situation again. And like, wow, I remember my dad the next day being the like 
crazy person he is, my birth certificate dad. Um, he came home. Like he uh, escaped the hospital somehow, right? Wow. Like you're on a 72 hour hold. He comes home like the next morning in a cab. And I'm like in my neighbor's house, waiting on my mom to get home. And I'm like, how did he get home before her? Like, this is not okay. And yeah, it was just really painful and awful. And I always like, he never, like, I remember just like begging him, like, you know, you should like, please go back. I think like, you need to not be here right now. I think you need to like go back to the hospital. And it was just a mess. Um, so yeah, that was the thing. It never really got addressed. Um, I was a theme in my life is like that I was always too much and too emotional and too, um, I'm the only person in my family that has any like small connection to my feelings or awareness Mm -hmm. that they are, they are things that exist. Mm -hmm. So I'm like super weird. And everyone, even before this would just prefer that I, I always say they prefer that I would just politely sit down and shut up. Right. Like they, oh, that oh, you're be, the emotional one. I see. Oh uh, yeah. Like you're so sensitive. Like if, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. All the time. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I That's have the problem. Yes. 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 That was clearly the issue in this shit show um, with <laughs> me and my emotions. And it has been the whole time. Your dad attempting suicide and then I'm, then they got divorced. Yeah, but and then it, that just like, wasn't a thing, right? Like that never okay. happened. Like okay. basically I imagined it. Uh, like I just like it wasn't like actually a thing, right? Like everyone was fine and you just need to find a way to get over that. So my parents divorced and my mom, my mom, and I always say my mom begins to drink to excess. And like I think she like drank before, but it wasn't it unless I have this like altered, seriously altered perception of reality. It changed when they got divorced. And I now understand it more. Like I always was very confused by that drastic change and what that meant. Um, but now I think I get it on a a whole lot of different levels. Um, but she started drinking a significant amount and like it became an issue and created lots of health problems and, and she's raising you. She's raising me. Yeah. And, um, so we, at this time live like 45 minutes from my grandparents who have been my only like safe, stable consistency in life. Um, and who I adore, like, I love them. They were significant in raising me, um, given that I had you know two children for parents, um, really supportive of me really caring. My, my grandpa and I were really close, um, really close. Like I thought he, he and my mom were my people. Um, and I just thought he was like, the most amazing person in the world. And I did everything he did and ate everything he ate from like three years old on. Right. Like I just, he was everything with him. So my mom's drinking increases and intensity and just her like erraticness increases. And she's like always gone and out of town. And like, it's not the best recipe for a teenager who's like, you know, got some stuff going on. So, um, it was in high school when like, like my house was like the house where people hung out and partied and like, it was just, uh, cause my mom was always out of town and sure. she didn't really care anyways. Cause she was kind of a train wreck herself. And I remember talking to my grandpa about it. Like, you know, I think like things are like really bad. Like she's not good. And he was like, you're just a teenager and she's a mom and teenagers and moms fight. And I was like, yeah, I don't really think it's that. Um, 
And like, just, it was just dismissed for a lot of years. That was a theme that was really common. I got to a point where like, like I did with my dad, where I was like, Hey, like, this is a mess. Like this is alcoholism. This is bad. This doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel safe. Like I began to have that conversation directly with my mom because she and I always had a very connected and open, um, relationship. And like, but obviously when it came to that, it was, she got really angry about it and she didn't like that. I brought it up and it caused arguments and she would, um, like be drunk and I would come home and I would like have whole conversations with her. And then in the morning she would like forget them. And I can still remember like how angry that made me. Like I just, Oh, it just was so hard for me. I'd be like, I just like, I talked to you last night. I told you all about it. Like, why don't you remember? Anyways, there came a time in high school where she kicked me out because I, I don't know, was like calling her on her shit a little too much for her comfort. Um, and so I, went and lived with my grandparents and I, my grandparents paid for me to go to a private high school where I went. So I, um, would like drive 45 minutes <laughs> to and from school when I lived with them and it wasn't so terrible, but I also like parents, like they liked having me, but if I was like, Oh, I'm staying at a friend's house and not coming home tonight. Like it also wasn't an issue. It's like, Oh, okay, that's fine. <laughs> so I just kind of did what I wanted, but like was like couch surfing and I had a boyfriend at the time. I slept in his house a lot. Like I basically lived with a boy in high school. It was silly and stupid. And, um, but anyways, in my grandparents and went back and forth and then eventually went back with my mom. My brother started, um, my brother began that this is around the time my brother's addiction began. Um, so my brother, um, had some stuff going on and that was happening. And so, I guess the combination of me calling her on her shit and his stuff was really a lot. We got into it again and she kicked us both out, which I, I think that there's a part of me that was more comfortable with that because I didn't like being away from him and I didn't like him being alone there. And, um, I mean, we were only a few years apart, but I was very maternal with him. Um, and like I said, we've always been really close. Um, so then we both live with my grandparents. I was really grateful that I went to the school I went to because I had friends whose parents really cared about me and like were able to recognize that something wasn't quite right and were supportive and um, pretty loving and showed me some of the love that I wasn't really getting. Um, and that's really been pretty foundational for me in my story and um, where uh, my husband and I really try to share our home with people who need it. And just that came from that time in my life when people cared about me, my teachers, my friends, parents um, was significant. It's like we were talking about before we started, but being around adults who would give you that love and that support that you wanted, you probably were just yes. so drawn to that as a child. I was so drawn to that as a child. And I still am like, I have a collection of the most, bad ass, loving, caring, um, maternal figures in my life. Right. Like I like have this like curated family and village that I've made. And, um, I started that before I even found out about my NPE thing, um, for obvious reasons, right? Like there was plenty of reason to do that before I found that out, but yeah, just this awesome group of, um, just loving, caring women. And I, have um, a, a dad person too. And I'll talk about them, but like the grace of God, I graduated high school, didn't end up pregnant and like <laughs> made it to college with a lot of like 
really hard stuff in between, which I guess I don't know how relevant it has to be for this. So we can, um, yeah, lots of like painful, um, family of addiction stuff and just rejection. And like my, the, the most, I mean, there was obviously like the hard moments and the like scary things that happened, but like the part that sticks with me and that I've realized through lots of therapy is like the theme of not being heard and seen and like being this kid that's screaming like things aren't right. And like, no one will listen, including my grandparents, because it was rather inconvenient for their daughter to be an alcoholic. So like nobody really wanted to see that for what it was. There came a point and there is, we are in a living in a point where like, obviously her addiction is well past the hiding of it and lots of hospitalizations and rehabs and rehabs and more and more jail for everyone in my family but me yes Mm -hmm. consequences but like none that were ever really helpful too much Mm -hmm. um yeah I can remember like moving in to the day I moved into college the guy I was dating at the time his family was lovely and his mother was actually one of my like maternal figures of high school she was really really lovely to me and she got me prepared to go to college um so moving into my dorm and like my mom was supposed to meet us to drive down there and she like didn't show. And I was like, okay, fine, whatever, normal, like not so shocking. Um, but then she was like, I'm going to come, I'm going to meet you there. And I was like, okay. And then like a few hours later, like, I don't know, four hours or so later, um, I get a call from like some random guy at a gas station. And I was like, what? Like, I'm like, hello. And he, you know, he's like, He explains to me essentially, like, I work at a gas station. I believe this is your mom here. And she says that she's driving to meet you to like move you into your college dorm room, but she's very confused about where she is and what, like, like she she was very disoriented. She didn't really know who she was or like what was actually going on, but she was able to like somehow portray that he should be calling me, basically. And so I was like, um, okay, well, like, you know, I'm uh, in the middle of this uh, dorm room here. (laughs) So I remember like I got myself settled and I just told this man, gas station, um, employee, could you just please call 911 and have them take her to the hospital and, uh, let her know I'll meet her there. Like (laughs) in a little bit, I guess. I don't, I don't know. So I called my grandfather and he met me there. Like we're, we're not like so far from home or like two hours ish home so he meets me there and it was like at that point like they couldn't deny this thing anymore like it was like kind of a thing but not really a thing but like no one could deny it anymore it was like this is a problem and people need to like pay attention and also like I'm out of here so bye like <laughs> I like I'm I'm going to college like I'm, yep. I'm done yeah I was at school did college ended up not staying at that university but coming home and it was um yeah, I became a social worker, uh, met, fast forward, like graduate. I start my professional career, become a social worker. I've met my husband at this point. Um, when I met him, he was in the military. Uh, and we got married, like we had dated for like five years and then we got married and he's a lovely, lovely man that I never thought, um, like, I don't know. He was, it's really funny. Like I always, um, I don't know how to say that. Um, he, I never dated anyone like my husband until I dated my husband and mm-hmm. I didn't realize like I was deserving of like kind and unconditional and caring, uh, genuine type love. Right. Like I had this understanding, but like 
I never dated anyone like that. Um, anyways, so we, that's sweet. Uh, it is, he's a lovely man. Um, he's nothing like, he's really just been like unconditionally supportive of me and caring since the first time we met. Um, he's a cool guy. Things are uh, still a mess with both my birth certificate dad and my mom, like both still like, my birth certificate dad is a very functioning alcoholic and my mom is very not functioning. <laughs> like, okay. so, um, my, our wedding was interesting. Um, there was lots of painful things there, but again, now that I've done, um, lots of therapy, I now know why, like, I've always said like, man, there were some really painful moments that day, but I've never felt more loved and protected by the people around me because, the really important, meaningful people in my life, um, including my little brother, who I need to spend more time talking about because he's incredibly significant, but he's not so painful. Just really protected me and shielded me from the pain in a way that I has, had never been done before in my entire life, right? Mm-hmm. Like I had just experienced all this stuff, like full frontal shield, no protection. I felt like until that day, and it was really a really amazing feeling that I couldn't really figure out why it felt so special. Like obviously it's my wedding day. So that part was special, but like the, like being protected from these really painful things was really pretty cool. Yeah. My little brother, I said, he struggled with addiction. That was lots and lots of struggle. And basically the entire time I was in college and, um, he, uh, it was really hard. Like shouldn't say it, it was really painful because I cared so much about him. So it was really hard to watch him struggle the way he did. And, um, yeah, but he ended up getting clean and he's, uh, clean now. And like I said, one of my, like, he's my only like blood family member that I like enjoy, truly, truly enjoy being around and get like, um, yeah, like it's not, painful to be around him. Mm. Um, so it's really, it's always been a special relationship and it still is. Um, we move, uh, for my husband's work and graduate school and like decide to become foster parents and begin building our family that way. And lots of adventure in that space. Uh, not necessarily for today after a few years of being away, and at that time we had had our first child. So I, um, um, got pregnant and had our first child in 2018. Um, it was really rather, I've always struggled with this idea of like, do I want to like procreate my own child? Because like, what am I, like my example to look at is really painful and hard and confusing. And like, it never felt like it would totally be right. But I now know that's not true, but that those things weren't without reason that I didn't have fears. Um, so we have our first son, um, and that is in that space. And I've not talked a ton about my birth certificate dad in this space because we've had a very painful relationship that hurt. Um, he was hurtful. Like he has words, both my parents really as a kid just had like words, like knives. I'm like, I just don't understand. Like, it was just like such mean stuff. Like they could just both like cut so deep and they did a lot. Um, that continued as I was an adult 
a lot with my dad. And at that point I had like not a ton of contact with my mom because her alcoholism had like, she just really wasn't um, super functioning and like just, there just wasn't any like reasonability about her. And like she had been, it's not in a good place. So um, when I am going to have a baby, you know, like the people that are there are not those people. Um, they're not my birth certificate dad and my mom. Like I have a friend who is my like most amazing um, mom person. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so, you know, we have our plan, we have our thing, we have our, we're going to have our son and we, um, my husband and I, we have our first son and my dad, my birth certificate dad starts to reach out to me and it's just like really painful stuff, like demanding to like be invited and like, why am I so crazy? Like everyone has stuff. I just need to get over my stuff and should probably just get some medication because my husband's probably really miserable because of me. And he feels so terrible for my husband because he has to be married to me. And like, Oh my God. All these, just like, I'm just like a really terrible person, right? Because I won't let this man who I have not a ton of contact with and definitely not a significant relationship with, like be there when I go through this thing of like bringing life into the world, which I was terrified to do. We were foster parents at the time and that placement ended up um, ending and in a rather painful way, but also a beautiful way uh, soon after our son was born. and. my dad just like continued his attacks in that space and like attacked me for the choices I made around that situation and how much like just, I was just a terrible person. And that's what he told me more than once. And so, um, like an incessantly. Right. And so it was just a really painful season of life. These first few weeks with my son, that was the last time I talked to him. In December 2018, yeah, that's what it is. When we moved back, my brother and his now wife had bought Ancestry DNA kits, right? You guys are waiting for it. Like, when was I going to say it, right? <laughs> so yeah, my brother bought an Ancestry DNA kit, he and his wife, and they gifted one to my husband. Because um, my husband is like, I don't know, I think he's kind of hard to buy gifts for. And so they were like, yeah, these are like Groupon deal. Let's, let's get him one too. So my brother got it and he... There's always been this joke, not joke. Well, he joked about it because that's his nature. My brother is to like, you know, that's how he keeps things light. It's like everything's a joke and far away. But he, my brother has really dark hair and blue eyes. And um, I have a cousin who also has really dark hair and blue eyes. And they have like very similar facial features. And like, they just have like a, I don't know. They look oddly similar, right? In December 2018, my brother like decides to joke about this. And he's like, he's like, yeah, you know, like I always thought dad wasn't my dad. And I'm like, okay, like, okay. Like he like he, and he's able to talk to me about this sense of like, just always felt like I was different. I'm like, you felt different. Like you, I feel different. Like you all like have this, like so much in common, like with like between like the addictions and just like all that, like, not like I wanted to be in that club. It's not what I'm saying, but I always felt like not in that. Um, so anyways, he's like, so I'm going to take this DNA kit. I was like, cool. And so he takes it and he calls me and he's like, Hey, get some like weird stuff show up on my ancestry. And I was like, well, like, what do you mean? And he tells me, um, he tells me that 
friends on there that are, and he's like, isn't that so-and-so's sister? And isn't that so-and-so's cousin? And so-and-so at the time is my maternal aunt's husband. So my uncle. And I'm like, yeah, like, uh, yeah, that's, that's his family. Um, and he's like, well, maybe, I guess it just like picks up on like, you know, like who you're related to by marriage and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't have any idea. And he's like, well, why don't you just like take Kevin's ancestry and see what yours says? And I was like, okay. So I took it and I sent it in and I gave it to my, I called my brother back. Like, I was like, I think I even like just sent him a text. I was like, Hey, I got an email. My results are back. This is my password. Like you can check it out. Right. Cause this was like all about him. Like and his, not, not like it was all about like his, this feeling that he had, like, I never had any of these mm-hmm. feelings that he acknowledges he had. So I was just like, I remember I was sitting at my desk at work, like, um, and I worked in um, a homeless shelter at the time. So it was just like chaotic and busy all the time. And so I was like, here, like, yeah, just check it out. And, um, he was like, he texts me back or maybe he called me. I don't know. It was very casual. He says like, oh, well, yours says the same thing. So I guess it just, yeah, I guess, I guess we're right. It just picks up on like birth certificates and like who you're related to by marriage. And like, I don't know, like that, that was what we told ourselves. Like, and I was like, yeah, I guess you're right. Okay. So that was literally like, probably by the time we did that, it was spring of 2019. Cause he had given it to my husband for Christmas and like he hadn't used it. It sat around for a while. So yeah, that was probably like spring of 2019. And, um, that was that. And I like put the little thing with my password, like in a drawer somewhere. Cause I just, I don't know. I have a zero organization around all the passwords in my life. And, um, there will come a time fast forward in a few months where I frantically look for that password. Like, where did I put it? <laughs> I wish I had a better system. Um, <laughs> but so December, 2019, I get a call from my grandmother and she's like, Hey, and this is, this is your, um, trigger warning. Uh, so my grandma calls me and I like, remember where I was and what I was doing. We had a teenage foster daughter at the time and I was picking her up from school and I was like talking to my grandma and she's like, just unloads and she's, or she doesn't unload. She just like says something that I'm not expecting. So it's like, feels like an unloading. And she, and like, I've got my car, like she's on Bluetooth and like, she's like, so it's just like out into my car and she's like, you know, your mom called me and she said that from the time she was 14 on that your uncle was, um, molesting her and raping her. And I was like, oh, I was like, okay. And my mom at this point, the important thing to understand is like, she has like lost all credibility as like in our family. Right. And yeah. in a way that like, because there's been lots, her addiction has fully taken over. You know, she's not really able to tell the truth ever. She's yeah. got found herself in lots of trouble. Um, she's upset lots of people. Like it's just been really a really painful ride for her. And so my grandma is like, my grandma has this tone of like, a little bit of like, I don't really want to believe this. Um, but then also this like reality of like, wow, I can't believe she's saying this. Um, and I also found it curious that she like called me and told me right away. I mean, I'm grateful that she did. Um, 
but it was almost like she like didn't know what else to do with it. And so she had a level of belief and I was like, okay, well, um, and obviously at some point I like frantically tried to get my phone off of Bluetooth and just onto my phone. So like I could, you know, cause there was a teenager in my car and I was like, okay, well, um, I remember saying something to the effect of like, you know, I, I would say that it's my experience that women don't usually make these things up late in life. And, um, I would be inclined to believe her. And I think that, you know, we just have to be as supportive and listening as we can. I said, you know, like I got to go. And I said, and there's something else that like, but I need to talk to, I was like, there's something else that makes this make sense. But like, I can't talk to you about that right now because it's not mine to tell. Mm. And at this point, I'm still saying like, this ancestry thing. It's not mine, right? It's just my brother's like, ah, like he said, he just wanted to not ask anyone any questions and put it in the drawer. So I said, okay, fine. Because in my mind, it's like, this is about him. This is his thing. This is mm-hmm. his like, um, not realizing that I will soon find out is equally mine. I think I remember like, I I went home, I talked to my husband I called my brother and I was like, dude, like, like, where's that ancestry stuff? Like we have to log on and look at it right now. Like we have to. And he, he's like, what do you mean? And I was like, and I told him like, my grandma just told me about my mom, um, disclosing this abuse. And like, and then all of a sudden, like it all made sense. Right. I went from like this weird space of like, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't understand how ancestry DNA works. I don't know. And to like, holy shit, this is and I guess I, for what I forgot at the beginning was I never understood, even as a kid, why my mom, all of her attempts to like get sober and like, no matter how many treatments she went to, no matter how many tries she did, no matter how much support she had, because she had a ton of support. My grandparents were very supportive of her, like whether it was paying for rehab or taking care of us or like just letting her live with them, whatever it was, like she had tons of support. And so, and then like, as I go through school and I'm like learning more, I'm like, I just don't understand, like, what is it that is keeping her from being able to be sober? Like, I know it takes a few times, but we're, we're, we're past like that number of time mark, you know, like we're on like round five, six, seven, I wonder what it is. Like, I just can't figure it out. And I'd always had this like feeling that something, something had to have happened to her in her life that kept her from being able to be sober. There was something extremely painful that existed with inside her that only she knew and she did not know how to face it. And so it kept her like, it kept her using, she didn't have any words or space to heal from that thing. So she could never right? like there, the, no, not, none of that other stuff was ever going to work until she could heal that part of her. And she had no ability to do that. So I remember I'm like, I'm my brother and I have like some, I found the, the password somewhere. I don't know. Right. I found this ancestry password and I log in and I was like, holy moly, like this is crazy. And I'm looking at it and there's names that I recognize. Like, I don't know them. Right. Cause they're not my family, but I am from a small town and my uncle is from the same small town. And so like, I know the names of some of his family members. Like I wasn't close with them. Like I met them like, you know, in passing or whatever. And I look and I have, I have two messages and I was like, who are these messages from? 
And they're from both of his, like the closest people we matched with the two names I recognized, but they don't recognize my, they obviously don't know my married name. Mm. So they had sent me messages and they like, you know, they're on there like, um, recreationally, right. They're like, this is like my so-and-so is from this place and from this place. And I'm just curious how we're related. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, and I, my mind, like, I'm a thousand places and I'm like, well, I believed her anyways. I believed my mom to begin with, but this was just like, wow. whoa, like we can't, we can't pretend this is real. And he's like, well, we don't know it. We don't know that that's what it means. And I'm like, maybe you're right. But like, I don't know how it could mean anything else. And I like to the point where I'm like looking for like anyone who could have been in my birth certificate, dad's family, right? Like anyone. Like, like there's nothing on here. Like, this is really pretty. And I still don't really know how it works because I haven't used it because I did, my story is different. And like, I didn't have to go find my first, Mm -hmm. my biological dad. Like it wasn't a hunt. It was like this really painful, like, I don't like door that opened, but then also it made so many things make sense. And it was also a relief because I now understood what it was about my mom. Right. I understood why, why, like between my brother and I, she like had such, well, and this doesn't necessarily make sense either, but like she was a, my mom, I was like my mom's like target always in her addiction. Like I, and I'm not for no reason, I'm sure. Right. Cause like I said, I've always had something to say and I've always not, um, really like held back with it, especially with her, but yeah, learning that just made, it was devastating and confusing, but then I also had a strange relief because I didn't feel crazy anymore about my theory of like something happened to her and I need to figure out what it is. Cause if we can figure out what it is, then maybe she could stop drinking, right? Like maybe, um, so the names, Laura, the names that are coming up and you've said your uncle, I just want to clarify they're your uncle's names are showing up in your DNA results, your matches, which is strange because this is your mother's sister's husband. Correct. So yes. Your uncle by marriage. My so uncle by marriage. So his name, this, this uncle, no. none of his family names should be because it's your aunt's husband. Yes. And yes. I, but that's where like the confusion uh, or like this strange place that my brother and I sat in for a year of like, it must just pick up on like, people's Other. marriage certificates. They're like, I don't know. Right. Like yeah, I, it's yeah. clearly a family tree. <laughs> it's like, but anyways, I don't know how they would gather that by my spit. Um, so it was really an interesting, our mind does funny things, right? It does. Like, yes. it, it lets us believe really crazy things, yeah, protective things and for good reason. And it does its job. And like my, I recently had a conversation with my mom and I was trying to explain that to her because she's like, I swear, I like, you know, she's trying, she's telling me like in this conversation, she doesn't know. She didn't know. She didn't ever know. And I'm like, well, obviously you didn't know. Like there's like your brain would not allow that to be a reality. Cause that could not be a reality at that time. Like, but so my brother and I, um, were like, okay, so we, you see this and my brother's like, well, we don't know. It's true. We don't know. It's true. This is just the internet. Like, like <laughs> he's like, we don't know. And I was like, okay, well, this is what I think we should do. And we agree that we call our birth certificate dad and we, I've not talked to him. And at that point it had been like 
a year and a half almost, I had not spoken to him. And so my brother and I collectively called him and said, you know, we need to come over to your house. Um, we need to talk to you. Um, and we don't do it over the phone. Like, can we come over? And, uh, my dad's remarried and he has a wife. She's lovely. She is a really nice woman. Um, I don't know. It's a confusing dynamic because he's not the nicest. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they have two adopted children, um, which is a whole nother thing, but not again, not for today. So many subtopics. Um, <laughs> so we go over there and we say, we explain to him, um, Hey, like, this is what mom said. This is what she told us. This is what she said has happened. And in the interim, I think I might've like tried to talk to my mom, but she was in a state of, she had just said this thing for the first time in her entire life. She mm-hmm. had never, ever, ever, ever told anyone. Wow. And so she is already an, un- so I guess that's important to say. She's already like super unhealthy, like physical health, mental health, obviously, um, just really in bad shape. So she says this thing, she lets this giant trauma go and she just unravels to a point of like, not, um, like she's not safe. Like she's, she's definitely having suicidal ideations and was just like debilitated and couldn't get out of bed. And she like, couldn't eat for like weeks. Um, so she ended up in the hospital and was in there for a while. And so like, I wasn't really able to like, get a ton of clarifying information. So we just tell our, my brother and I, and my husband's with me because he's lovely and amazing. And, um, my sister-in-law's there as well. And we, she's also really lovely. She's a really, really awesome person. Um, and I'm really grateful for her. I'm really grateful that my brother has her because she's a really, just really sweet and loving and compassionate person. Um, so we're all there and we explain this to my dad, this, that my mom, what our mom had said that, you know, our uncle who my dad obviously knows they all grew up together ish. And well, we were, it's the weird part. It's like, it wasn't like this new family thing, you know? And so we tell our dad and he's like, no, I never like what, like he, he's devastated. He's crying and emotional. And he's like, I'll do whatever you want. Like, yes, of course. Cause we'd asked him to take a DNA test with us. Like let's go to one of like the local lab places and just do it. Um, so we could get right. Cause we weren't ready to trust the internet and like mail in spit. We like needed <laughs> this further verification yeah. and, um, which I don't feel like is unreasonable. Um, no. But um, so we do that and it's, it's really interesting. So we, and like, I, of course, am like full of questions and just want answers. And so like, I ask him like, did you ever have any idea or suspect or wonder or like anything? And he had told us that like, trying to remember, there was, there was two things that he uh, told us had happened that he remembered. And I can't remember the first one, so I'm not going to say it because I feel like it's important to not get that wrong. 
Uh, but the second thing that he recalled being like happening that like would have led any inclination to like knowing this or that anything ever happened was apparently, so my brother's, my brother's born at this point. They're at a, they're getting ready for a wedding. Like somebody's friend is getting married, some mutual friend. And my mom has an interaction with my uncle and he like tries to kiss her or do something like that. And my mom told my dad, my birth certificate dad, and this is his only memory. Right. And so he's probably like a teenager still at the time, like 18, maybe 19. I don't know. And so I'm like, well, what, what do you, was, what else do you know? And he's like, well, I told him to like, never go near her again. And that was the end of that. And that's all she ever said to me and nothing else ever happened again because she self-preserved in a way that is mind blowing, right? Like she managed, um, to self-preserve starting from the age that she was 14 on in a way that I can't even comprehend. Take the DNA test, um, with our dad. And we like, I was like, I don't care. We will pay whatever it costs, like get the results the next day. Like I can't sleep. There's no reason to sleep any more nights than one and not know this answer. Yeah. So we get the results the next day and my brother and I call our dad, our birth certificate dad to tell him like, it says you're not our dad. I mean, it was like a, it was a piece of like knowing like, okay, like that's not the internet piece. The ancestry piece is not made up. It was hard because I, I'm a really empathetic person. And like, so even though this man is like really mean and has recently only not been kind to me, um, I, I was heartbroken for him, uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, cause he, I, like I said earlier, like, I know he loved us the best he could. And I know that he loved the only way he learned to love, um, that happened to be a really unhealthy way, but it was his best. And he loved us. And he, became a dad at 17 and like, well, first of all, people shouldn't be able to do that. And he did the best he could and he tried hard and, you know, like that in itself is its own trauma and giant loss. Like, and he said like, you know, you'll always be my kids. I'll always love you. Like you're my babies and, um, I don't regret any of it and I'm not mad about any of it. And he said all that. Um, in that conversation. And I thanked him for being present. Yeah. I thanked him the best way I could in that moment. And then like, but I don't know if I said it or if I was just like, hoped it was implied, but like, we're going back to radio silence. I hope you understand that this does not take me to like, and there are still times where like, I feel bad, but it's like this under, it's this weird place where I'm like, well, you know, like just because something bad happened to him, another, Mm -hmm. like, I don't have to, he's not any nicer. He's not any kinder. Like he's still going to say the hurtful, mean things. And you don't have to go into that space. My brother communicates with him pretty right. My brother and I like have like split duty by default of like who we both have more empathy for. So like I, I'm the one that like maintains regular and frequent communication with our mom and make sure she's okay. And like he checks in with our dad because he has like a significantly higher tolerance. Um, like we each have a special kind of tolerance for them. And so I guess yeah. it's nice in that way. You're just to clarify, your brother is your full sibling. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We are full, full siblings. siblings yeah. <laughs> yeah. We are full siblings and, and our birth, birth certificate father. is not our dad. Yeah. 
it um, is your uncle by marriage. Well, I guess he's yes. your biological father. Yeah. Yeah. He's well, as I so affectionately call him in conversations with my friends or when I tell this really confusing story, I call him my uncle dad. Yeah. And uncle my dad. uncle dad also gave me, you know, this revelation also gave me two uh, cousin brothers, brother cousins. Um, so I have two cousins. Ah, uh, yeah. The oldest one is like, I don't know, five years older than me, maybe four years older than me. I'm not sure. And then the next one is like, he and I are like a year apart, maybe if even, um, we were always a year apart in school, but like we were, we're, we're close in age. And then, then there's my brother. Three quarter next, siblings. That's three. What, sorry yes, to interrupt. Yes, I've heard, no. I just heard this three quarter siblings where yes, where they're like half siblings because they have the shared father, but actually the mothers are sisters. Okay. Yeah, there, this exists. This is a thing. I need to find it. It is. It is a thing. It's called three quarter siblings. I just, I All read right. it on a DNA chart somewhere. Um, and, and again, to clarify, but, but with your mom's situation, it was non-consensual. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So we're getting to that. Um, yeah, I guess I skipped over that. I didn't, it was not my intention. So my ages are estimates, but they are researched estimates, right? Because once I started asking questions, I got shut out. So that will come later. So that's why I'm like, like, well, shouldn't you like know this guy's birthday? (laughs) And it's like, well, yeah, but no one will really tell me anything about him anymore. So my mom was 14 when it started. And this is what she's been able to tell me over the course of two, almost two years now, or whatever, since December, 2019, however long ago that was. That started when she was 14. The interesting thing is that is relevant in this story is so my uncle, my uncle dad, is a few years older than his wife, my aunt. And they had their first child when they were in high school as well. So my aunt, as my mom tells it, became pregnant like when she was a junior in high school and then had my first cousin brother when she was a senior in high school, then they got married and he lived as my grandma tells it, his parents were farmers too in this small town and there was some sort of falling out. And so he temporarily lived in my grandparents' home. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So like, so he had so access he tempor- to your, to your mom when she was a mm-hmm. child, a teen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So my mom is, like three or more years younger than her sister. Um, And they have an adopted sister in the middle uh, of them. But as far as I know, she does not have any involvement in this scenario. Yeah. So it started. So my aunt has my first cousin when she, when she's in high school and my uncle dad is older than her. So he's out of high school by a few years ish. Right. So like, this is as I know it based on like my best research of like old high school yearbooks online and things like that. I, the way I understand it is he is eight years older than my mom. Mm. So even if we all, because, so the bigger theme is that I'm trying to say is like, people don't believe my mom, right? My family doesn't believe my mom. She's made this all up. She clearly wanted it. It was a jealousy thing. Like she 
probably liked that she was with her older sister's boyfriend, like all, all these like really terrible, painful things, victim shaming things that we do, um, because it's easier, right? Like if, if that's the case, that's a lot easier. And plus she's already, we've already like put her in this broken space that she's in. So like, if we could just keep it all in that theme, that would be great because he, you know, is a very upstanding citizen in his community, involved in the church, owns two businesses in the community, is fairly wealthy. He's a good guy. But my mom, right? Like she's kind of like this really convenient hot mess. Yeah. But obviously none of them understanding why or how she got to be that way. He right? may and have I'm created that. Like, oh my yeah. God, I get it. Like, I, this is the key. Like, this is yeah. why she's been so messed up. This is why she's never been able to heal because she's never been able to say this. And oh, I don't know. She had to sit at every family holiday with her Ugh. abuser. She had yes. to sit at every family event her entire life from wow. like 14 on with this man. So the way she's able to describe it is started at 14. Um, it was, it was, it was very forceful. It was very manipulative. It was full of threats, um, you know, threats to kill her. Um, like there was times as she explains it, like where she knew like the way that our family farm is set up at this time, there was two houses on it and my mom lived in one as a kid. And then my aunt, my uncle, dad, and their first child lived in another house on the property, like across the way. And the way my mom explains it, like she's only been able to tell me bits and pieces and, um, for like, because she just can't like end up getting through it or yeah, how she's like managed, like, like all these things, right. We've tried a couple different ways because she's agreed that like she would be comfortable sharing, but it's, it's just been very messy and I haven't gotten so traumatic. It, the trauma is so, um, is so deep and complex. And the shame is like, I can't even begin to like describe and understand the layers of shame, but she, she was able to tell me like about like, there were like, she was able to tell me a couple of incidents and basically like he would come home and he would, uh, at night, like from work late and he did this thing because her window faced their house in their bedroom. And I know this because I, so when I talked about living on my grandparents' farm, I later lived in this house. And so like I slept in the bedroom that was my mom's. So like, I know what it looks at and explained that he would like shine the headlights in that window and like flash them. And that was like her cue that she had to go outside and meet him. Like, I don't, and she, I was like, she wasn't able to tell me much more after that, but like, I was like, there's like all sorts of buildings on this farm. So that would not be like un, an unreasonable story. And like the way that that window faces, it does face that house. And like, you know, everyone's always like, she made all this up. I'm like, yeah, like these aren't really things that, especially at this stage in life, given her memory and like the way she is like, she couldn't make this shit up. Like it's, and also like, that'd be like, it's just not anyways. I'm always like trying to convince people of this, but it doesn't matter. And just, uh, there was other stories that she was able to tell. Like we lived on this long road, um, and there, my grandparents' farm is at the end. And so there's like different, um, houses and farms that go up this road and there's like empty spots. And there was like, she was able to tell me like, 
she used to tell my grandma she was walking to school because she wanted to lose weight, but really like she had to meet him and she would like meet him in a field. And, but it was like, and she tells it like she had to. And some people, I'm sure people have opinions about that, but what I understand this started when she was 14, right? So after that, everything in her brain was wired different. Her perception of this man, the control, the power, her vulnerability, like the confusing pieces of like safety and the mixed up senses of um, connection and pleasure and like safety and all of that, right? Like all that's in play. Like, and that started at 14. Wow. So whatever happens along the way, like we're never going to make sense of that. And mm-hmm. that is what, like, we can't explain that away with like, well, at some point she must've liked it. Well, like, no, because she never had that choice. Like it was changed from the yep. first time it happened. And also like, even if she was willing, like it's not legal. No, he's and I'm eight years older than her. That's terrible. Yeah. It, yeah. And, and he raped her and he controlled her and yes. abused her. Yes. Uh, yes. Oh, wow. So she, um, So this is where it's really hard because I can hear you've had these conversations with your family members. So obviously not everyone is supportive or, I mean, people have divided, it sounds like. Yeah. Well, I mean, not by not everyone, we should say everyone. And by people are divided. It's like, I am a, 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 a party of one. Um, well, my mom, but I try, she has said from the beginning, like she fully supports anything that I want to do and pursue. And she would like to have some form of justice, but she knows she's not going to get it. And so, so after my brother and I took the DNA test, we, uh, with our dad, our birth certificate dad, we went and talked to our grandparents and we told them and we were like, you know what, this is what we know like and they are people of few words to begin with like especially okay that's not true they are people with few words around uncomfortable or hard topics or like uncomfortable truths they can be very opinionated about lots of things so in, in this interaction like you know my grandma she's like really hurt and crying and sad and like she believes it and she's like sad that it happened. Right. But again, back to that theme of like our brain does crazy things so we can all survive. Um, so that lasts for like basically that instance only. And then after that, it's like, yeah, your mom's always been a liar and she's probably lying about this too, or she liked it or she wanted it or all these other things that like fit a more convenient narrative. There was like one day at least outwardly, right? Of like, how could we let him in our house? Why would we like all this like terribleness feeling her feelings, but then like about a day, my grandpa, he, my grandpa is, um, my he, we always, as my grandma tells it has like a soft spot for my mom. Um, and I believe that. And, um, so he's like really upset. Like I believe that, you know, he, he did that and like, you know, like basically just this acknowledgement of like, wow, he wrecked and ruined two of my daughter's lives right now. But mm-hmm. acknowledging, this is where the acknowledgement of like, we have two daughters in this scenario, mm-hmm. right? 
like we have two daughters that are hurt, you know, and had all these things done to her and the others like, you know, married to that person. So we have to consider her feelings too, because she's choosing to like be married to him and have this relationship with him. And like, she's pretty devastated as well. Um, and I struggled with that, like for obvious reasons. Um, but so we, yeah, talk to our grandparents and you can talk about your, sorry, you talk about your grandparents first, but yeah, I am curious where your aunt stands with all of this. I think I can uh-huh. guess, but yeah, it's a, it's a rather, I don't know, dark place. I think where she stands. Yeah. Uh, so we tell our cousins, cousin brothers, like we are like, okay, we should tell them because you know, we care about them the most and, our relationships are important and they matter. And so we all meet at my house, like a couple of days after that, uh, my brother and my husband, and then my cousins with sans their wives, because they live, you know, 45 minutes to an hour away and they have kids. So we tell them and they're like, what do you, holy shit. Like, what do you mean? And they both have an instance that they're like, they are both like, huh? And they both have a story that they're like confused about or want to tell when we tell them this. And they're like, well, and my oldest cousin, he quickly, he calls his wife, right? And he's like, hey, remember when you told me that um, like my mom told you something and you weren't ever allowed to tell me. And she's like, yeah. And he's like, well, I need you to tell me right now. And she's like, yeah, I can't tell you. And she, anyway, she eventually tells him like that a few years ago, his dad was having an affair and his mom found out about it. And then like, she had shared that with her. So my aunt shared that my uncle dad had an affair with her daughter-in-law, but like a recent affair, right? Like not this situation, um, but a recent affair. And I was like, Okay. And there had been like, I think I had heard rumors that he was like outside of their marriage, but like, whatever, because they were perfect. Right. They were who they are. So then my other cousin, he's like processing and thinking, and he thinks slower and thinks like he processes slower. He's just like, like still just kind of like, what is like, like, he's just a thinker. And he's like, well, he did send me a text, a really weird text a while back. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, he sent me this weird text and it didn't make any sense. And then he said he texted the wrong person. And I was like, basically he thought he was texting like some woman that he was seeing, but he texted his son by mistake and then was like, oops, sorry, wrong text. And my cousin was like, yeah, okay, whatever, man. And, um, (laughs) they just went on with life. So I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. And at this time, like everyone's pretty like, just kind of like my brother and I have processed for like two days, maybe three, something like that. And my cousins, like, we're just telling them. And so we were like, you know, we'll let you decide like how and like what it looks like to talk to your mom. Like, you know, you all talk to each other and let us know what you think. Um, And so they, and I, but I say like very clearly, like, I will give you time to do that, but like, I'm going to talk to him. So like, you all decide what you want to do, what you think is best for your mom. But like, like understand, like, 
I'm going to speak to him about this, like directly. And so they're like, okay, yeah, yeah. Like that's reasonable. And like, like everything is good. Right. They're like, yeah, of course. Like, and you know, they're like frustrated at him at this point and acknowledging the wrong. And the, the fact of it is, is like, they had a shitty relationship with him to begin with. Right. Like he's an asshole. Apparently I did not know that he was such an asshole, but apparently he is. Cause he was always really nice to me. This, um, uncle dad of mine. So they talked to her like the next day and they let me know, like, Hey, we talked to mom. She's going to confront dad, like, and talk to him about it tonight. And you can come out tomorrow and talk to him if you want. And I'm like, okay. And so I agree to like go out there and go to their house, um, to talk to him because that's, I don't know, that's what they arranged and whatever. Um, and so I go and I take my husband because he is my like safe, solid, calm ground in all things on the spectrum of things that give me anxiety. Um, this being obviously one of them. Yeah. And then I take, um, a really dear close friend of mine who, um, she's like my sense of like, she's just super courageous and brave and like she doesn't she's not afraid to say anything and she's super smart she's an attorney who's just like super smart and just like wrecks shit so Mm -hmm. i was like so i take her with me not like as an attorney but like as my friend who's like fierce and who will mercilessly protect me um and love me you needed that support that strength around you i'm sure you were close to falling apart Yes. So my cousin meets me outside and he's like, Hey, like I, and I had said very clearly, and my brother met me there too. I had said very clearly to everyone, like I, meaning my cousin and my brother, and I hadn't talked to my aunt because my cousins had done that. And I had said to all of them and I told them to tell her, like, I want to talk to him alone because I want to be able to say what I want to say and not have to worry about what any of you think of me afterwards. And I don't want you to hold it against me. And I want to be like, I want to have a conversation. And my brother, my brother respected that. He got there late actually, but he respected that. My cousin was like, I promise I won't hold anything against you. Like, just let me be here. Like, I just, I'm really worried about him. And I was like, whatever. Like, I don't have the energy to argue with you anymore because I had gotten into it in a way, not gotten into it. I was calm. I wasn't calm. I had politely asked my aunt multiple times, like, I want to speak to him alone. Like, will you please go outside? And she was like, no, this is my house. I'm like, I get that. And she was very upset that Kevin and my friend were there with me. She was like, this is a family matter. I'm like, right. And this is my family. And like, I want them to be here. And also this is not your conversation. This is my conversation. Like I'm, I agreed to come here because that's what was offered. So like, that's the only reason I'm in your house. I didn't like, I'm not, I I don't need to talk to you. I don't want to talk to you right now. I can tell I don't want to talk to you right now based on how you're behaving. Um, but she was like, no, like I'm not leaving. And I was like, I'm asking you nicely. Like, and then my husband being a very calm voice of reason was like, you know, like, can you just like go outside? Like, just let her talk to him alone. And it's like this standoff. And I end up, I don't know, I guess, I, not, I don't know. I do know. I said like, get the fuck out. 
And she finally left and was like very mad that I said that. And I get that it was her house and I said that passionately. But I also like very clearly laid out what my expectation was and like, yes, that I wanted to be able to say what I wanted to say. And I had in the interim, like I had said to him, I said, will you just go outside with me then? Like I, if she won't leave, like, will you go outside and we can just have this conversation outside? I don't care where I have it conversation. Like, I just would like to speak to you and say what I need to say and ask you a thousand questions. And he, he won't go outside. I don't remember what his reasoning was, but I was like, well, fine. And she finally left. And so we have this conversation and he just, this is a person who is like, as far as I see him and have experienced him all the years of my life, because I've known him all the years of my life, right? He's like, just kind of like chill, doesn't really like have big, strong opinions, whatever. He's just kind of there. He's nice enough. He is like super invested in his work. And that's why he's not really around. Doesn't often have much to say. Like he is a businessman and like, that's who he is. Right. So he's like standing there like dead in the eyes. Right. Like very, like to me, I, I don't care because I'm not showing up as a therapist or as a person who wants to care about the crisis that you're in. Like, but I see him with that lens. I'm like, oh yeah, he's like gone. Like he's not really there. Um, he's pretty beaten down, like disassociated, just kind of staring like pathetic version shell of a man is how he stood there. And I don't know what all I said to him. I mean, I asked him like, did he know he was my dad? And he said, no. And you know, he said that he's sorry, but like, he doesn't have anything to say. And I'm like, well, like, what do you think should happen? And he's like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, and I, I remember just being really angry and like, he tried to like, tell me that like, I didn't understand all the pain he had. And I can very vividly remember saying like, obviously you have a lot of pain because you would have done something so fucked up if you didn't carry around a lot of paint, but that doesn't give you a license to hurt people. And I explained like, you know, I had a lot of pain too. And like, I had a lot of really fucked up things happen to me as a kid and I don't hurt people. And then he tried to like, it was this really bizarre, like, then he tried to, cause he's clearly never identified his traumas or his hurts in his past before, but he like, then tries to like one up me in this trauma space to like justify like how he ended up being like the monster that was standing in front of me. Like, and I'm like, dude, I don't care. Like, I want you to talk to someone about that because you need help clearly. Like, and you should address those things. They don't matter to me right now. Like I do not care. Like you caused significant pain. You ruined my mother's life. Like you watched all the things that I went through as a kid and like didn't do anything. Like, just, I don't even remember what I said. He's dead in the face. Mostly. Um, he says he's sorry. I, so what I had said and what I wanted was like, I wanted him to take a DNA test. Like I wanted him to take like an actual DNA test, like real, not just like ancestry, because in my mind, there's also this piece. It's like, once you validate and identify on paper that yes, you're my dad. Everyone can judge my mom's story, but they can't judge the ages, right? There's, there can't be judgment about that. 
There's not, there's not space for arguing if she wanted it or not, or if she liked it or all these crazy things that my family has said. God. And, and I just want to be validated and heard and seen and like acknowledged as real. And you will acknowledge me and you don't just get to like pretend and go on like life is normal without having any ownership and acceptance of the space that like this life you created, like these two humans who grew up, like you, who you watched grow up. So, um, yeah, I like ask him and he's like, no, I'm not taking a DNA test. And I'm like, why? Like, it's private. Like no one will, it, like you go, I go and that's it. Like, it, like you, we pay for it and it's it. And he, he's like, well, I don't want the government to have my DNA. And I'm like, well, I'm sure you don't. I'm sure you don't. But like, also they won't because we're just going to go to this like private lab and do it. And he's like, no, I'm not doing it. And I'm like, all right, whatever. Well, just understand, like, I will find out a way I will figure this out and you will take a DNA test. Like, just understand that. And at some point my brother walks in and he, my brother, my brother's approach to life, even before all of his struggle, like in pain and using and getting clean was like, he was like, he's a peacekeeper. He's like, you know, he doesn't want people to be mad kind of thing. So he walks in and like hugs him and says, I forgive you. And they're like hugging in front of me. And that was like, that's fine. That's what my brother needed to do. But it was so hard for me. Oh, yeah. It was so hard. And so that happened. And, you know, we all leave. And he's like, I'm not taking a DNA test. And I'm like, all right, fine. like Whatever. You will. We'll find a way. I still haven't found a way, but I'm still dedicated to finding a way. Um, so he then walks out to the car where we're getting in the car and he's like, okay, I'll do it. And I said, okay, like, this is where I want. And like, I gave him the information. I texted it to my cousin. Like everyone knew like what, like what he had said he would do. He obviously didn't do it. Um, anyways, so then we go to my grandparents' house where we talk and my cousins, cousin brothers are there and my they're being very kind and sensitive and supportive of me and my grandparents. I don't know. They're, you know, they're one, two days removed from finding out and they're already like finding ways to justify this with the Bible and like really painful, like crazy things that they're saying. Mm. And I'm like losing any bit of like sanity or cool that I had left in me. Cause I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, there's no justification for this. Like, this is not something we can make sense of. Like, it's just really painful and we have to acknowledge it as that. And like, if we don't, then the, you know, this is generational trauma. Like this is how this shit happens. And obviously I was not speaking the same language as everyone else. That's basically it. Anticlimactic in that space. They all like think I should not say things. Um, there was a point where like I worked with an attorney who ended up being a real skis and I don't know, it's small town America. So I'm sure it was very much good old boys club and that ended up not working out, but just receiving that letter from the attorney that I hired and saying like, Hey, if you don't go take this DNA test at that private place, she asked you to like, we're going to file this court and that could look like this. And then that caused me a lot of trouble with my family. But then that attorney was ultimately like, yeah, I actually can't file that. And then just like never talk to me again. And so that's always felt like really shady to me. Um, 
because it's like small town America and he's not, he's not nobody. He's <sighs> not nobody at all. He's significant. I think I said at the beginning that he owns businesses. Like he has three businesses and he's been involved like with the communities. He grew up there. He lived there. It's, you know, it's middle of nowhere America. And he's a wealthy white guy. Like he's pretty protected. Um, it is so unfair that he's living this, you know, seemingly this outwardly successful life as a businessman going on functioning. And your mom ha has struggled for decades with addiction, alcoholism, and the trauma of being molested and raped as a child. And just, it's just incredibly unfair. And that the way your grandparents are treating her and you yeah. is, I mean, all the family members, your aunt and the way she behaves to you, the day you find this traumatic thing out and go over to her house and she's treats you this. I just, I mean, yeah, it's really all the family members. It's, it's really, it's really pretty painful. And, um, yeah, my aunt and like my aunt, my aunt is not like a warm, fuzzy person, but like, she was always really kind. It's like her version of kind to me. Right. Like she was, she was nice. She was supportive. I actually had therapy today and I was talking about a conversation I had with her and it was just like so hard to remember that. Like at one point we did have a conversation like that. Um, that was just like where she was nice and supportive um, and like understood what I was talking about. She felt like family. So the place, so when the attorney sent the letter, my aunt sent my cousin to my house to talk to me. He asked to talk and I was like, yeah, we can talk. Like you can come over and let's, you know, we'll chat. And, but basically all he had to say was like, you know, I'm trying to help my mom. She's a mess. Things aren't like, just trying to help her keep it together and, you know, going, you know, the way you're going about this is wrong. And, you know, maybe if you would just try and have a relationship with people, maybe you could have a relationship and oh. get to know people and you might have like family. And then previously they were worried about him, um, completing suicide when it first came out. And they had asked me like, what should we do? And I was like, well, if you really like, first of all, like the night before I went out there, they had said that to me. And I was like, well, you need to get all the guns out of the house. Like all the guns, like look in the barns, look in his truck, like look everywhere he could possibly have a gun, any other means that you could think of, like do that. But then also like, if you really do think that like, these are the resources you can call to like get him the help he needs. And then I have that same conversation with them the next day because they ask me again. And then this is like months later when my cousin comes to my house, he's like, well, he, when he kills himself and he can't go on anymore because he's just a shell of a person, like that'll be on you. And I'm like, oh. it's actually like, none of this is on me. Like wow. I didn't make any of these choices. Just happened to be born and not okay with like this giant injustice. And it doesn't feel good to me. And so I just want answers. Like, again, he has the option to just go privately do this and shut me up. Like he could do that. Like, I don't under, and so it's just like multiple ways that it was back on me. And like, maybe if you would just let all this go, maybe my mom would make sure that like, when he does die, like you would get some of the inheritance. But she said that like, if you're involved with him killing himself, like, or something like if you keep going on with this, like she would make sure you never got anything. And I was like, I don't care. And again, like 
this is what you need to do. Like, get all the guns out of the house. And if you really still think he's going to harm himself or complete suicide, like, you need to get him help. Like, he's like, well, he doesn't want help. And I'm like, right, that's not my problem. Like, mm-hmm. you have options. I've explained to you how you can, like, force him to be safe. And in my mind, I'm like, and oh, yeah, remember that time that my dad, that I thought was my dad did try to kill himself. Like, I don't care that you're like, I don't understand why you're even telling me this. Like, I don't understand how you've been rationalized. This is the power of our brain, right? We believe what we need to believe to survive. And my aunts and my cousin brothers, specifically my one cousin, like he also has a business that's very tied to his dad's name. Uh, Like it's his own business, but like, it's very much because he is this person's son that, and so like, there's just like, you know, it's just this, we're not going to, we're going to have to live in a different state. That that was one of the things my cousin told me. I was like, I don't care. We're also just like, get off the boat that's burning and then you won't go down with it. Like, I don't understand how you don't like just acknowledge the truth, like live in the truth. And I keep trying, I try to explain it so much of like, this is heavy, dark stuff. Like we've said since we were kids, like we didn't want to parent the way our parents parented, right? Cause their parents just like worked them and they just worked, worked, worked all the time. And they didn't want to do that. And I'm like, you can do something different. Like you don't have to live in this space in this lie. And it just ended poorly. And that was that. And I haven't talked to any of them since I, when I decided to email you all, you and get to like share the story, I decided like, well, you know, I want to give the most up-to-date truth. So let me just like, and I haven't talked to either of them since. And I sent them each a text and a phone call and just said like, I'm curious. I have questions. I'm really longing for answers. I feel like enough time has passed. And, you know, would you be willing to talk to me? And obviously I got nothing back to my Mm -hmm. uncle, dad, and my aunts, my aunt's stepmom. Um, Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Stepmom. So she's staying married to him. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They're still married. Um, I mean, I'm sure obviously things aren't fine. Like, right. They're married in misery, which they clearly were before based on these other things, but there's just the even harder part to me. It's just like, and so I'm shamed, right. Cause I'm shamed. There's so much shame on so many levels, right? Like I don't even, I didn't even get into that. And I wanted to talk about that, but yeah, they're still married. Um, everyone's fine. Um, COVID, like, right, like COVID's been like math, but like COVID was really kind of, I found it to be like, it was this really convenient thing that happened. So it was like normal that my family didn't have to see each other, which kind of pissed me off. Right. So it was like easy for my grandparents to be like, oh yeah, we're just not getting together because of COVID. I'm like, and also because of that one thing, you know, like, that's just like what it's been every holiday since then. It's like, oh yeah, COVID. And I'm like, oh yeah. And you know, rape, uncle, dad, cousin, brothers, that stuff, that stuff too. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I don't know. That's the space. And it, it's been really hard because it's, you know, rejection from this family that I've always known. You know, they've always been my family, um, but now they're not. And, um, my brother is supportive and, but he just doesn't understand. We have like, he and I did family therapy after this for a little while. It was, it was pretty fun. It was good. Um, did like telehealth family therapy, he and I, and, um, you know, we struggled like 
I'm like a picker and a pusher and like a seeker. And like, I've always been that way. And he's like, yep, I would just prefer that. Like we just all kind of chill and we don't need to, but he acknowledges that it's painful. Um, but he just deals with it in a different space. Um, and we talk about it a little bit, but it's pretty surface level because I get really fired up and like, I want answers and I want justice because in my mind, like answers are also the only way my mom gets justice yeah. in this particular state currently, like the statue of limitations is shit. And so she doesn't have an avenue there and nor would like, I don't even know if she'd be able to withstand that process. Like she is just so in such poor health physically and mentally, but also it's just this like acknowledgement of my existence. It's just been really hard to have that tonight. Oh yeah. I, in both you and your brother found this out at the same time and Mm -hmm. you're taking, and there's no right or wrong way to take any of this. Mm -hmm. Everyone's experience is their own, but it shows you with all the NPEs and how they take it, it shows you the difference between how your brother, where he does and does not want to go emotionally and how you, and you know, just the differences between you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, Oh my gosh, we've been talking for two hours. I'm sorry. No, no, I am. I will, um, I will mention at this point, uh, not to cut anything off, but just because of the sensitive nature of this story and where you're at today, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, um, they can just contact me directly at the podcast and perhaps I will pass that along to Laura. So if anyone, um, you know, Laura's story is still playing out and um, there is a lot of shame and, and hard stuff that she's she is going through right now. So you can always contact me at npestories at gmail.com. And I may pass that along to Laura. Laura, I don't want to uh, cut off anything because I feel like this this is a really hard space. So before we kind of wrap it up for today and where your story's at today, because more will unfold, is there anything anything else you want to talk about? I know you said you want to talk about your shame and anything else you want to share. You know, I think we might be at like a safe stopping point. Yeah. I think my, my hope is, is that I, I, I don't know, maybe and now I know there's three quarter siblings. So now that there's a label, maybe I can more easily connect with three quarter siblings. And I think there's just, it's a whole nother topic to that, like requires besides this story, but just a whole nother topic and discussion around the space of, um, being conceived non-consensually or I don't even know how you say that right yeah that is like a whole arena that is and I have really struggled to find resources for it but just to like understand it and like try to understand my feelings and like um trying to find like as a professional trying to find another professional who like step into that space with me or he can even like I don't, yeah, it's just, that's like a whole nother conversation. So if, I don't know, I don't know what I want to say about that, but there should be a conversation mm-hmm. around that. Mm-hmm. And I, 
mm-hmm. hope that this was encouragement for someone to have that conversation or, um, I don't know, like hope. Um, because I guess the one thing I do want to say is like, this has really helped me understand my mother a lot. And I'm really grateful for that. That has been the one and only thing. And that she finally had the courage to say her really hard, scary thing. Um, and just acknowledge how brave she was to um, live and survive all those years and accomplish everything she accomplished in that space, carrying this, but then um, still living with it today. And the, uh, yeah, all that goes in with that. But thank you for letting me share this story. Mm. Thank you. Thank you so much, Laura. And if people want to hear more about Laura's story, she will also be on Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis. Keep an ear and an eye out for that in the next couple of months. These stories are here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come heal with us.